0: happening now? We want to welcome viewers from across the United States and around the world. This is the EdTech Situation Room. Good morning, good day, good evening. This is EdTech Situation Room episode number 235 for October 13th, 2021. My name is Jason Neifer and I am the Assistant Director and Curriculum Director of the Montana Digital Academy, which is Montana State Virtual School, located right here on the fabulous University of Montana campus in Missoula, Montana. And joining me tonight, as always...
1: Good evening, Dr. West Fryer. How are you tonight, sir? Good evening, Jason. I am well. We avoided tornadoes that swept through. Not, I mean, anyway, yes, there were, there were tornadoes, uh, late night, like 4.30 in the morning, 5 o'clock, to, yes, uh, this morning. So it's cooler. It's like 20 degrees cooler and, uh, a little bit more rain and fall is really feeling like it's here. So I am the technology integration and innovation specialist at the Cassidy School, teaching media literacy to fifth and sixth grade students and being an advisor and not teaching Spanish this year. So it's, it's good times. <laughs> and then we, then we had an awkward pause.
0: Um, well, um, I don't think we're here to just stare at each other, Wes. What, uh, what is the integration room all about?
1: Well, for 234 episodes, we have been gathering here on Wednesday nights to talk about the tech news through an educational lens. So we have gathered a bunch of links, which you can find by pointing your browser to edtechsr.com and clicking links. Uh, there's a large Google Doc there, which has a number of things from the past week or so and our topics tonight include apple google social media hardware things that make you go mm, which i think is jason's new uh new headline or category by the way uh ai tech correction space the miscellaneous category which is always a roll of the dice and our final geeks of the week so where would you like to start tonight dr lever
0: well um uh, I don't think it'd be too big of a rabbit hole, but uh, let's start with Apple tonight. And I know that you started with an article about uh, the ongoing battle between Apple and Epic. So what, what's news there this week, sir?
1: Okay, so this is, this is challenging to, to try and understand. Uh, the headline from Ars Technica on October 11th is Apple tries to block Epic's court win before it takes effect on December 9th. Um, and there's actually a related article that I just dropped in under Google, which we might pick up too, since it also relates to Epic. But this is an example of one of these, like, issues, which is fairly complex and challenging. And since we have articles about it periodically and talk about it, you know, it's, uh, you know, helping me to understand what the issues are here. But, Basically, Apple kicked Epic, which is the creator of Fortnite as well as other games, um, off of the App Store because Epic was flagrantly um, violating the contract and allowing folks to access their own store directly and circumventing Apple's historic 30% cut that they take from sales that are in the app store. So Epic uh, filed a lawsuit and a few weeks ago, or maybe it was you know, a couple months ago. I don't know. It was a, it was a little while back. <clears throat> we talked about it and it was interesting because both parties claimed victory um, Apple in part because they weren't declared a uh, monopoly. Um, but Epic was required by the lawsuit, by the order to pay the amount that they didn't pay to Apple, you know, as a, as breach of contract. But they, the, the judge also said that uh, essentially Apple had to allow other, um, you know, p- payment options besides the, the app store uh, and and kind of had to open the floodgate. So what Apple has done is it's seeking a stay of the order um, because this is uh you know, obviously, it's going to cost them a lot of money to let iOS apps link to other uh, payment options. And they're claiming security risks. And they're also, uh, you know, claiming that. Well, this is pretty, real interesting. At the end of the article, it says Apple cites Epic's unclean hands. Um, Apple. Um, this is from the from the claim. Um says, the doctrine of unclean hands applies squarely here. Rather than file a lawsuit for declaratory and injunctive relief, Epic developed a sophisticated plan to surreptitiously deliver a Trojan horse update of Fortnite to Apple and then later activate a hotfix to bypass Apple's IAP system. Um, And Anyway, so there's some more that I hadn't read before about what Epic did. There's there's just tons of bad blood here. Um, And so this gets into... (laughs) Some deep weeds as far as the, you know, the, the law and how it, how it applies. But the bottom line is uh, consumers are wondering, you know, is this going to happen? Is this going to mean, you know, a better deal that things are going to be less expensive because Apple's not taking their cut? Or, you know, is Epic just going to, uh, you know, to keep all of that? And the article which is related to this that I put under Google is from 9 to 5 Google on October 12th. It says... Google countersues Epic Games for willfully breaching Play Store contract with Fortnite stunt. And so it wasn't just Apple that was dealing with this. It was Google as well, even though Google allows for and did allow for its own uh, alternative payment system um, against its contract. Apparently, Fortnite, uh, this is the quote, willfully breached the, the DDA by submitting a version of Fortnite for publication with a payment method other than Google play. So Google doesn't have that prohibition that you can do something in another place. But if you're inside the app store and in, you know, the, the app you've gotten from the play store, you have to comply and, and pay Google. So anyway, it's a fight over money. It's a fight over who gets to control things. Um, and it's going to be interesting because it, it was really, I thought it was weird when this, you know, hearing came out and both Epic was saying, Hey, we won. It was great. And Apple was saying, Hey, we're vindicated. It's great. And you're like, all right, I don't. I don't think either of those claims are, you know, the full truth. So help us, Dr. Knifer, clarify it all for us. What does this mean, and what am I missing? Well, I, I mean,
0: it, it, hearing these additional stories, right? I guess what I would say is that, and and I'm, I, I'd probably it'd probably be a good idea to do the other uh, Epic article in their fight with Apple here in a moment, but. I, I guess that makes him sound like a less sympathetic, uh, uh, plaintiff than, than in their lawsuit made them sound like with Apple. Because if their if their goal is to actually circumvent the system and not just prove that the system is, or not just use legal means to prove that the system is unfair for some reason, I, I, I would agree that the doctrine of unclean hands um, in, in my mind, would apply there. I am not a judge, however, um, at any uh, uh, a local, state, or, or 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 federal level. So um, I am not the arbiter of that. But I mean, I think it makes it a little more complex. And I, I do think that Epic did a pretty good job of claiming that they believe that the thirty percent that Apple uh, does, and my understanding is the Play Store percentage is is a little more complex. Because they're a little more willing to cut deals with companies, I think, than than Apple is. But still, it, it is a significant percentage. I guess I just I, I feel less bad about um, uh, I feel less bad about the situation for for companies like like Epic if they're gonna, you know, actually push um, you know, or, or I guess violate rules in that way. And it also tells me too, that, I mean, one of the reasons why I didn't want to move off the play store and onto iOS devices is that I did have some larger uh, concerns about security and, um, the, uh, the, 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 The the bottom line is, is that, um, I feel like that Apple is slightly more secure of an environment when it comes to app or app reviews before they allow them in the store than the Google Play Store is. And as a reminder, on the Google platform, you can install any app you want by just turning off verified sources. And And I believe actually Fortnite, you could download that directly from their website. That was one of the ways they were working around the Play Store. That is legitimate. You have to turn your security off to make that happen. But that was a legitimate way of doing that. That, in fact, a lot of apps uh, uh, ask you to turn that off to install directly. So um I guess, uh, you know, I, the, it's really hard to pick, you know, good guys and bad guys. I'll put that in quotation marks in a lot of these debates because the bottom line is, is that both sides are looking to make money. And when it comes to, um you know, Picking someone who's on the right side of this, you know, listening to that story, I guess I'm less inclined to go with with Epic uh, versus Google, and 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 maybe big picture Epic versus Apple too. So, do you want to cover that other article regarding Epic and Apple?
1: Oh, uh, Epic well, and
0: no, it was it was both, right?
1: The well, yeah, I no, I did. That was the Google, okay, the Google, yeah, the nine to five Google. So, yeah, unless okay. there's unless there's another one, so yeah, um, you know, and. <laughs> How does how does this affect schools? I I don't know. This this is more kind of on a consumer level, but it also belies the complexity that's involved here. And these ecosystems and the ways that, you know, companies are allowed to, um, you know, enact policies that, that protect them from competition that, you know, protect their platform. It's important from a security standpoint, for sure. I think that's what I'll be most interested in is whether the judge, you know, buys that argument as far as security, um, because in terms of payment processing and hacking and the growth of of cybercrime, I mean, that is that is a real deal. and And it's huge. And so if any app developer is able to link out to any kind of payment system, I mean, that's a huge potential. And what Apple says in this is they don't have the resources to be able to check all of those links that's in, you know, every single one of their apps. So. Anyway, I'm not a judge either, but I would certainly be paying attention to that. And it's going to be, you know, interesting to see, you know, what what the ruling is here. So I think the big thing was that Apple wasn't, you know, ruled a monopoly and there wasn't going to be some kind of a ruling about, you know, we got the, the power of the app store has to be broken. And as we probably will talk later with the tech correction and all the talk about Facebook and that great TikTok article you put in. I mean, there's a lot of companies exerting a lot of power over our lives, you know, via technology. Um, and there's a lot of questions about the role of, of regulation and all this. So it's an evolving and continuing story. Um, perhaps if we continue to talk about it a few more weeks, I'll, I'll have my head around it a little bit more. But it was, I almost reread these articles too, cause it is, it's, it's pretty, you know, it's very detailed as far as, you know, the legal theories that apply and, and these kinds of things. I, I'm not optimistic this is going to make a huge difference, uh, for consumers or that. I I don't know. I think Apple's already kind of Epic has cracked open the floodgates, but they did a little bit already with Netflix and things because there's, there are some deals that are being cut, not nearly as much as what Google is doing, but anyway, I don't, I don't think this is going to have immediate huge, you know, impacts on, on us as consumers, but certainly (laughs) it's something my kids know about and they know that, you know, I've got a lot of Fortnite players in middle school and um, you know, they knew that, Hey, that, 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 platform is no longer available on, uh, on Apple, unless you downloaded it before. And that's one of the interesting things in the Google case too, is that if you had downloaded it previously and you had it on your device and you hadn't you know, erased your device, you know, you still had it and you could, you could use it. So anyway, this will be a continuing issue that I'm sure we have not heard the last of.
0: Yep, absolutely. And then let me just do one other quick Apple article here in part because I expect there to be some interesting announcements next week. Um, Apple has an event um, on, on October 18th. That's Monday, October 18th. And uh, when I first saw the email I was like, "Oh, that's weird. Why would they do it on a Monday morning? Like, they never do it on a, on a, on a Monday morning. They always do that on a Tuesday morning." And then I realized, as we'll talk about in a moment, there is a pre-existing Google event on October nineteenth, and that would be Tuesday morning. So, um, I would imagine that uh, that is not by accident that they happen to be on on a Monday morning. Um, a lot of speculation about what is is going to be announced, but there seems to be some agreement that it's probably new MacBook Pros. With the M1X or M2 chip, Uh, most sources seem to suggest the M1X is likely the the piece there, with a 14 and a 16-inch MacBook Pro likely to be released on Monday, and that would be Pro models uh, that I would assume um, are adding some things to them. Uh, to, to distinguish them from what a lot of people referred to as entry-level laptops that were released with the M1 chip last year. And I have to say, now having used um, these entry-level uh, devices for the last, uh, well, nine months or so, they are anything but. They're really uh, uh, very fast and, and, and very competent machines. But new form factors are expected. Uh, a lot of people think that the new uh, MacBook Pros uh, will have more ports on them and are likely... Probably probably not to get rid of the USB-C ports uh because that Apple doesn't backtrack like that uh and I think that I kind of agree with them the USB-C is the future but it's likely to have either additional ports or uh perhaps a new way to charge I've heard of maybe a, a new MagSafe charger uh uh that is uh reflective of that technology, but we'll have to see. And so um I will say uh it's my birthday this Saturday. I've been thinking about buying myself a birthday present because that's what I do. That's what happens when um you live the uh double income no kid lifestyle. And um the uh I'm not entirely sure I would buy myself a MacBook Pro, but if there's new AirPods I am very tempted by maybe a third generation AirPod uh Pro. So we'll have to see how that plays out in in the coming days but um I am I after I got that email I decided not to buy myself a birthday present
1: this week. So Jason, you need to either buy a RecTech RT700 pellet smoker or a Green <laughs> Mountain a Green Mountain Jim Bowie, uh, if you want to go a little little less expensive. I'm going to tell you the 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 uh, positive feed you know rewards of, of that. Um,
0: yeah, well, it's, it's so funny you should say that, Wes, because my wife um, uh, is uh, she she's she's maybe the most thoughtful gift giver I've I've ever met in my entire life, but. The she's been kind of looking at um, options and uh, I we talked about a uh, there's a cool outdoor pizza oven you can buy now that you can hook up to gas that has uh, it's it's basically like a little uh, it's not quite brick, but it's got the the nice stone on the bottom of it. So you can make uh, pizzas outdoors and then. Um, our barbecue could use replacement. I've also looked at the Blackstone, uh, uh, big gas griddles that people have. Um, and I love that concept. I would probably use that pretty frequently, but it is, it is indeed true that, uh, 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 uh smoking equipment could be ultimately on that list. All so. right. So this
1: isn't our normal, normal topic, but okay. Uh, the Green Mountain has a great pizza oven attachment. I haven't made a video oh. of it yet, but it's 150 bucks. You set it right in there, and you can crank that sucker up to 650, 700 wow. degrees on the pizza stone. It's amazing. We've been cooking with the, the cauliflower crust. I've been doing oh, you know, chicken yeah, yeah, pizzas yep, 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 or whatever. And so and then <laughs> we'll talk about Instagram and the dark side of Instagram. But some of the positive side would be targeted ads. And surprise, surprise, Facebook, Instagram you know, uh, Zuckerberg know that I, that I like smoking. So there's a, there's a website. This is a completely unsponsored, you know, shout out called barbecue hacks and they have a griddle attachment for $150. So your pellet smoker can be your pizza oven, uh, with you, with the pizza stone and everything up to 700 degrees and all that. Cause I was looking at closely at those Oni, you know, grills and whether mm-hmm. it's wood yeah. or, you know, gas or whatever. Yeah. Uh, but then I was also looking at a blackstone thinking about, you know, a griddle and, yeah. lo, and lo and behold, You can just put that on your pellet smoker, too. So I will I'll uh, I'll have to see about making a little video because I don't think I've done any videos with about pizza ovens like that. And so anyway, yes, um, that's uh, that's all good stuff. Okay, so two Apple thoughts. Number one, the event. um, I saw the tweet today for the event. I liked it. And then Apple immediately has this bot that replied and said, you're all set. We'll notify you. And I think I mentioned after the last event, it I, I knew that it was doing that, you know, as far as like, if you interact with that, they're going to keep you updated. I think that's just pretty cool. That's a yeah, cool use smart. of Twitter that Apple's doing. The second thing that I have to say is that I'm holding in my hand a larger iPhone, Uh, but this is the iPhone 11 Pro Max. Nice. And, uh, I picked it up for 600. So if I can sell my SE2 for 300, I'm gonna, this will be about a $300, uh, acquisition. I went to the Apple Store and actually held the, the 13, uh, Pro, I guess. It's not, is it called a Pro Max or just Pro? Oh, uh, there's both. There's a 13 Pro Max. And 13 Max. Okay. Yeah. Pro Max. Yeah. I mean, it's a hefty, it's a yeah, hefty, it is. you know, kind of brick. So this is a, is a, is a bit lighter, but anyway, I'm excited. And on the note of, you know, videos and all that kind of stuff, um, Rachel has had the, the 11 Pro in the family for a while and I would rarely borrow it. So now I'll be using that new device. I probably ought to get a lapel mic to really up my game, but yes, the temptations to acquire new Apple things are, you know, here. And I think that, well, here's a related article to throw in. I put this one under hardware. It's going to be interesting to see what happens with the supply chain, but ours technica on October 11th had an article, um, pandemic related supply issues send us PC market into decline. Now there's also in the article, um, the fact that a ton of people have upgraded, right? I mean, during the pandemic, there were a lot of folks that, that upgraded their technology gear, um, And so there's different reasons for the decline. They say there's growth globally in the United States, there's decline. Um, But I mean, it is bottleneck supply chains are a real thing. And so as we've talked about before, you know, when it comes to school orders about things or individual orders, um, you know, it'll it'll be interesting to see uh, what 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 falls out with this. Obviously, Apple, you know every time the new event comes out and and new products, they want everybody to rush out and get them. But we're definitely looking at a new laptop for our our, our uh, high school senior, you know, thinking about college. One of the things that happens when new devices come out is the supply chain, you know, peters out or whatever uh, goes dry with those older ones. But sometimes you can get some discounted deals on the past generation devices. Sometimes you can do that for school. Sometimes you can do that individually, but I would certainly echo what Jason said. I've been using the M one processor. I got to use it a little bit in the spring for a month or so. And then since the summer, it is absolutely fantastic. I mean, it is everything that I want or need a laptop to be. Um, I just, you know, can't say enough positive about it. Um, so it's exciting to see what Apple's going to come out with. And the other thing I'll say, cause we always, I always mention this, I think watch it for the video, right? Yeah. I mean, they are just going to continue to probably knock our socks off and I don't know how they're going to do something cooler than having uh, Tim cook, you know, walk out of death Valley or whatever they did at the start of that last one. But anyway, they're uh, pushing the envelope in a lot of different ways. And so if you don't want to hear us gush about Apple stuff, you might just skip the next episode because <laughs> after an Apple event, you know, we're tending yeah. to – we need it, We need to do a Google show, Jason. We talked about the Chrome show, so I don't know if we can still do that with – if you can do still do that with as much love as, as you oh, could yeah. have you know, a couple years ago. But, um, yeah, it's uh, – glad to see innovation continuing, so –
0: well, and we we'll use that as a as as a uh, transition then to the October nineteenth event that's happening over at uh, Google, and they're they everyone's calling it a Pixel Fall event, and I haven't seen any media about this, um, but I would assume that. Um, um, that uh there's not going to be a Chromebook released. And a lot of people thought that that this would be about the time that a a, a, a next generation to the Chromebook go, which was there. I think it was it was a 2019 release of that particular platform. Um, and so I, I haven't seen any, any, any media suggesting it's coming and I'm, I'm uh, quoting a digital trends article from October 11th that, that has kind of proposed things that we might see. Uh, one of them is there will definitely be a pixel six and, uh, almost everyone agrees it's probably going to be two pixels, a pixel six and a a pixel six pro. I've got something I want to talk about a little bit later that's related to that, um, there are rumors of a Pixel Pass, which is, uh, kind of, uh, a, 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 an interesting, uh, a, a prospect. They're, they're trying to kind of bundle together some hardware and some services together. Um, and the Pixel Pass would be, um, kind of like the, the Apple iPhone upgrade program and Apple One all wrapped into one, but it would include YouTube Premium. Um, the play pass on Google's, uh, a uh, play store, which gets you access to a bunch of apps that cost money, but for free, I've done it for a little while on Android and it was okay. Pretty decent apps on there. Um, the Google Fi cellular service, Google one, which gives you access to cheap Google drive storage. And then, uh, a financing plan, a, a low interest financing plan might be part of that. Um, again, interesting. I, I do think that Google is working really hard to try to, uh, catch some of that Apple cachet the everything works together cachet which I think is really quite unique to the Apple uh, uh, feature set um, there are some rumors of a pixel fold which I'll be very frank I think foldable phones are silly at this point they just seem too fragile with not a lot of payoff uh, uh, in response um, and you know and and, that, and and to be honest if there was something really there I think Apple would have developed in that direction. And then heavily rumored but uh, uh no no real hardware uh uh leaks a uh, potentially a pixel watch that would be uh Google's uh, somewhat desperate attempt to get back into the watch business um which kind of lost me as a customer actually was was the the lack of a watch piece but um so you know i know you're, you're apple universe uh focused uh west but anything interesting to you on that list
1: well let's re- let's be clear we are very much a google home uh you know google assistant family uh with with multiple devices a, a google what is it called the smart whatever that smaller smart display you mm-hmm. know in the kitchen now to to uh um, you know, cook with and, uh, I, I'm not, I'm not buying it. I haven't bought any, um, Madame A, um, you know, Amazon devices. Uh, and we've actually invested in some Nest cameras, you know, a Nest doorbell and a, and a Nest, you know, indoor camera too. So I'll be, I would be real interested in the IOT stuff. Um, they've just updated the Google Nest camera. In fact, I waited, you know, and I pre-ordered, uh, that camera and it came, you know, a month or so ago. So those are the things I would be probably more interested in. Um, but actually, when you talked about another event, I thought you were talking about Wednesday's event, which is for Samsung. And so I put that one in. So, folks, if you are a person who loves tech news, we've got a week for you because starting off with Monday's Apple event, we've got Google's event. And then you're going to have Samsung's event, which is going to be on Wednesday. So, um yeah, it's just, it's, this is interesting. This is, it's sort of the way of, you know, we don't have the trade shows anymore. Again, Steve Jobs was very prescient, I think. And, you know, what a bummer when they just, de- when he decided Apple wasn't going to Macworld anymore. Like, what the heck is that? But, you know, the world has shifted in terms of uh how they get people's attention and, and get news out there. And so anyway, not i don't know if we've ever had three major events including apple google you know apple google samsung those are all three heavy hitters i don't know who else is left is lenovo going to do an event on thursday probably not so anyway it, it'll be interesting to see um and we want to continue hopefully is to to see that innovation so i would be more most interested in the iot stuff and if they're going to do anything you know chrome wise um, yeah but we'll see
0: so a couple other interesting Google article articles this week. Uh, two I want to bunch together for a second. This has to do with the Pixel 6. Uh, 9 to 5 Google report on October 13th that the Pixel 6 will probably be released with a promise of four major Android upgrades, which is an incredible piece of news considering right now Google only promises two major upgrades and those happen yearly and oftentimes they'll do a third. Uh, In fact, I think on most of Pixel's phone they've done a third and I want to couple that with another article from 9to5Google a few days earlier. Uh, Nokia, which is not the brand it used to be, it's really just basically a brand for hire, but there's a Nokia tablet that's being released least called the T20, which is an Android tablet that uh it's a 1080p screen, um apparently a larger screen, uh, but it it has a smaller form factor. So I would assume smaller bezels and um, uh, uh, some kind of hardware to to make it feel s- svelte,r but it's being released with three years of of promised upgrades. And what's interesting about this is that it feels like Apple starting to nudge the market along a little bit. And we talked about uh, uh particularly two weeks ago, but I think we've we've had this th- three or four times in the last couple months that Apple does release phone. Uh, upgrades much longer than anyone else does and in particular we're talking about uh, Android manufacturers where uh, uh, unfortunately a lot of Android manufacturers don't even do one major upgrade and will stop security upgrades after you know the initial release of hardware and there hasn't been a lot of of like at least published big problems with that right it's not you know i would imagine that 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 there would be a a bigger shift in this market if you know uh 1.2 million phones in the united states you know uh, allowed someone to look at your banking information or something along those lines but i think it's really encouraging that the android uh, system is trying to do more upgrades because the bottom line is is when you buy a phone in 2021 even if you're buying a you know uh, a, a phone that's intended to be for a more budget market, um, there uh absolutely are probably um, uh, 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 people that will keep that phone for three, four, five, six years, and we really need to have our our, our people um, you know taking those phones and um, you know get, getting security upgrades with them you know uh, 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 frequently and 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 for a long time. So I thought that was kind of an interesting phenomenon.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, and I wonder, you know, have any of the major Google third-party um, phone manufacturers really gone out and, and left left the market entirely? Or how, how vibrant – I mean, I know that Google continues to have worldwide a larger market share than Apple. Um, you know, and we're not talking about Huawei at all here, I guess. But um, is, anyway, are, are you – are keeping the, keeping the pulse of that. I mean, maybe, maybe that's something that we're going to hear in the event. It would be the status of, of, uh, Google manufacturers. Although I'm like you said, they're going to be pushing their own devices, their pixel line, perhaps, you know, harder. Yeah. Than they're going to be trying to say, Hey, go out and buy a Samsung. So yeah, yeah.
0: And I think that, um, that, well, I mean, it, it's always a topic at the Google developers event, uh, in, in the late spring. Like that's always a topic that I think they want manufacturers to promise more updates. But, you know, that's, that's the, one of the inherent problems in Android's open source model, even though that they, they have, they have an alliance of, of, um, Android users. It's like the Open Handset Alliance. You don't hear about it as much anymore. But one of the things that, that, that they wanted with people that signed onto the Open Handset Alliance was a guarantee of two years of security updates for every phone. Um, but I think Google will certainly make itself more competitive, but I think it helps nudge the market in that direction if they're going to promise four years of upgrades, because meaningfully, then you could buy a phone new and probably be perfectly safe for four or five years with all those upgrades. And I would imagine security upgrades happen for, you know, a year or so after the major upgrade. And I just, you know, I think we have to be more conscious of the fact that, you know, uh, phone equipment is going to be held by most users. Um, for much longer than 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 two years.
1: Do you want to pick up that Adobe Acrobat editor extension? Yeah, I this is super exciting. Great. Yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, Ninety-five Google uh, reported on the twelfth of October that um that the the Adobe extension for Chrome. Um, it's also for Edge too. But the reason why this is interesting to me is really the Chromebook. Uh, aspect of this is that uh, they now will allow light editing in the Adobe extension, which adds that much more functionality, in my mind, to Chromebooks. And if you, and there are plenty of third-party apps, and I believe the Adobe Acrobat Reader app uh, for Windows and Mac allows you to do some light editing too, but they're, they're adding that function into the Chrome plugin, which means the Chromebooks would have that ability. Um, I will say that I mean, frustration is probably kind of a, a strong word there, but I have noticed over time that that's one of the deficiencies if you're on um, if, you're, if you're in Chrome world is that if you are uh, kind of stuck in um Uh, uh, on a Chromebook uh, and don't have other actions and you need to fill out a PDF, that's not always as easy as it probably should be. Um, But I think that's a really interesting uh, development on behalf of, um, of uh, uh, Adobe because I think it adds a lot of functionality to to Chrome world.
1: Not a geek of the week, but I'll mention dot com. That's Mm -hmm. the uh, web-based tool that, we use this week even to help my daughter fill out some college applications and and things like that but yeah pdf is it's like it's like jpeg you know it's just a it's a format now that is very ubiquitous but mm-hmm. it's, it's still a little tricky you know when you're on a chromebook to be like okay how am i going to edit this yeah. i think uh squid is the app that we're using now that's a f- we use a free version of it both as a sketch noting and drawing app um in the google play store but also I'm 90% sure it's PDF editing. I don't think I've used it for that, but that was one of the reasons why we downloaded it. So anyway, it's called squid. If anybody knows of a better, um, hope, you know, free app. Um, yeah, squid, take notes and markup, markup PDFs. Um, my kids have been doing sketch notes for the last couple of weeks on Chromebooks and squid is the, now the app of choice. So do you have another app that you, you do like on the, on the Chrome OS for, PDF editing or for
0: no, to be frank. And in fact, I mean, I I've had such a, a a hard time there that I will oftentimes remote desktop into a, a, a windows machine to do that editing for me. Um, what I would say is that, um, there are a lot of third party apps here. Many of them, you know, you can use once a month for free or twice a month for free. Sure. Um, and that's been problematic for me, especially since so many, there are so many free options on Mac and PC, uh, that will, will do that for you with, without any, 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 uh, limitations. So I, I think it's wonderful news and, uh, I will use that, like that, that's something that, uh, I wouldn't have traditionally installed the uh, Adobe Acrobat, uh, plugin for Chrome, but in this particular case, I think it makes a ton of sense.
1: Uh Definitely. All right. Well, I think we cleared out all the Google articles, actually. Yes, so.
0: I think we are. So uh, where would we like to go
1: next, sir? Well, let's uh, why don't we talk about this really excellent article you put in about TikTok um, under the tech correction. We've got a couple articles today, and this one's The Atlantic from October the 10th. One billion TikTok users understand what Congress doesn't. Uh, this is your article. So you want to take a first stab at it, or? Yeah,
0: so, I mean, the big picture here is that, you know, all this hand-wringing's going on right now about, um, uh, about, um, uh, uh, Facebook, Facebook, and to a lesser extent, uh, Twitter, Instagram, other major platforms. But Facebook is, is getting all the ire right now. Now, let me be clear, that is probably earned. So it's not it, – it, it, I, I don't want to make it sound like that, that Facebook's being unfairly targeted here because I think that they absolutely – um, need some scrutiny. But, um, the, uh, the writer of this, uh, Evelyn Duchek, is her name. Uh, she's a doctoral student at Harvard Law School and a senior fellow, a research fellow for the, uh, Knight First Amendment Institute at Columbia. Um, she makes a really interesting argument, which is that TikTok in a lot of ways has aimed itself, uh, at a very popular youth audience. And they've managed to avoid scrutiny, even though there is a lot of mis and disinformation on TikTok. Uh, there are, uh, significant, uh, um, uh, uh political forces afoot there. Lots and lots and lots and lots of, um, uh, people are, uh, utilizing, uh, this platform to, um, uh, spread, uh, 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 things that, that are somewhat nefarious. And one of the reasons why they aren't getting scrutiny is because everyone dismisses this as insubstantial because it is, I mean, it's an app that a lot of people associate with dancing. And to be clear, there is an awful lot of dancing on TikTok and, uh, dances spread pretty virally on there. And when I say dances, I mean, 30, 40 second dances that go along with a piece of music that spread around. And, and, and there's certainly entertainment value to that. But that 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 perception that it's insubstantial means that a lot of people simply um, aren't uh, 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 seeing this as a threat, even though you may remember back to uh, 2020 when at one point uh, 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 then President Trump, was going to force TikTok to be uh, purchased by uh, a a company in the United States or be banned here. Um, There were a lot of people that banned TikTok uh, in in sensitive situations, military bases, Um, uh, uh, if I remember correctly, the CIA banned it from – uh, uh 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 employees phones uh at, at one point because there was some concern security because of the association of the company with the government of china um and I, it, it's a really important point because i mean uh, uh, there are a lot of young folks on tiktok um it it, it is a phenomenon and I can tell you from my own experience, there is quite a bit of political debate and mis- and disinformation on there, ranging from uh, COVID-19 uh, misinformation to uh, political misinformation. And um, the dancing may draw you in, but once you get there, the algorithm is probably going to deliver to you other stuff.
1: So the the other thing that's in this article is how you know <laughs> Donald Trump was really mad <laughs> at TikTok for a while and and China and and so we were hearing a whole lot about it and it seems like his his attention went elsewhere and so did the you know the rest of the country so it does make you wonder how much of the security threat was real and how much of that was you know uh, politics and political theater um, but I mean it. I would love, and if anybody knows of this, I guess I, I should Google for this and look for it. But I don't know. Uh, I haven't seen or done, or actually used any media literacy lessons that really address disinformation on TikTok. But I'm in the midst of my Fruit Loop conspiracy theories unit with my sixth graders, talking about the moon landings and looking at videos where people are claiming they're hoaxes. And you know, how do we apply the Sift media literacy strategy and all this stuff? It would really, really be relevant and wonderful to use tiktok examples yeah Um, i did a link today about how like there's 21 or something really viral and popular tiktok channels that aren't real people and there's an entertainment company that's created them but people really don't care because they're funny and, and they like them but man to think about the rise of influencers and how folks have such power to put ideas into people 's minds and then to become a trusted part of you know somebody 's information landscape and just media landscape it really i mean i was I listened to a podcast called you 're wrong about today and there they have a, a episode on cancel culture which there's some profanity in this, so you don't want to play it aloud at work, probably. Uh, but anyway, it it talks about just the phenomenon of influencers, and you know how really fretting about quote unquote cancel culture isn't nearly as much the issue as this rise of. Uh, ooh, and Jason's gone. I wonder if I have dropped him, or maybe i I think I'm still alive. He's back. <laughs> I mentioned cancel culture, ladies and gentlemen. And I agree. <laughs> I have not. I have not canceled Doctor Knifer. <laughs> um, I, I'm having some hardware it's, issues. I my monitor right.
0: started blinking. I just yeah. had one, then my internet went. Idle, so I know. So
1: I'm sitting so. there going, "Am I still here? Am I still alive? Am I alive? Am I dead?" Uh, Anyway, just like the ability of smaller voices and 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 smaller groups to be able to to be amplified and to to be able to have power. I mean there there's I don't know if Clay Shirky's writing anything else. I was thinking about this and I need to look up his his work now cuz his book, you know, Here Comes Everybody was just really a, a very thought-provoking read, you know, years ago. But anyway, the point of this Atlantic article is TikTok is a big deal. It is being ignored by Congress. Uh, and it's probably being ignored by a lot of teachers too, right? And the fact, I ta- I'd asked my kids about this and some of them knew it. Who owns TikTok? It's a Chinese company. What is that company trying to do? They're trying to develop AI. So I'll actually segue to two fairly mind-blowing articles that might not be as directly applicable to like the classroom tomorrow. But these are just, the, the quotes here are crazy. All right. This is Slate from October 11th. U.S. has lost... AI race to China, according to former software chief at the Pentagon. So, uh, this man, Nicholas Chalian, Chalian um, was the head of basically uh, cyber. He was the first chief software officer for the Air Force. So, it wasn't Pentagon wide, it was for the Air Force. But he's from Silicon Valley and he's hired to bring the agility and flexibility, no- you know, knowledge and savvy of Silicon Valley and bring that to contracting into the military uh, to be able to help out. Well, he resigned in frustration. And so he is now given several interviews. Uh, Interestingly, his interview is with the financial times, which is behind a paywall. So I, I pay for the Washington post now and, and, you know, we get the New York times at school. So, Anyway, it's I'm not going to pay for the Financial Times right now. But uh, these articles, um, that one from Slate. And then this one is even better. This is from The Drive on October 13th. And the headline here is ex-Air Force tech boss eviscerates Pentagon for already losing the AI race in China. And one of the things that's just shocking about this is he says in 15 or 20 years, it's not going to matter. China is so far ahead and they are poised to to just... Not only because of their cooperation, of course, in their totalitarian government, which I don't think we want to emulate, you know, force all the the cooperation of their companies, but the 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 size of their investment, the ways they're not, you know, hung up on, you know, for instance, the F thirty five and these other kinds of weapon systems. I shared, I mentioned this to my kids today as we were talking about TikTok. We do these little wonder links at the start of class, and I just, it is such a big deal as far as the AI race and. Um, You know, we we need to be hopefully energizing students uh, about the importance of uh, coding skills, not only for their own vocational needs, but also for you know, the defense of our nation and and really the defense of the planet. I mean, we are this interconnected world where, you know, certainly the founding fathers who wrote our constitution and our declaration of independence didn't foresee this and how this plays out for politics, but there's so many different ways that this is playing out. And so anyway, these were just sort of mind blowing articles and quotations from a very, very smart and knowledgeable You know, leader not only from Silicon Valley, but also from the past three years from the Pentagon and from Washington, D.C. And it connects to what we were just talking about with TikTok, because, you know, TikTok is a Chinese owned company and AI relies on data. And there is just an incredible trove in that Atlantic article. I think they have the statistics. TikTok has become, I think, the the second only to Facebook. Did they say 3 billion users? There's some crazy statistics yeah. about how many downloads it's had and how many users it has. And again, I think a lot of people are kind of asleep to that. But this plays in in huge ways to artificial intelligence and the ways that facial recognition and these technologies work. AI and machine learning rely upon troves of data. And the, the folks who have created TikTok are really pretty genius. They're not getting headlines in the same way that Facebook are in part because it's even more opaque and hidden in terms of how they decide to to filter and moderate content and how all that stuff's happening. There are no whistleblowers coming out of TikTok in China, you know, the way that we've seen that in Facebook. So, did you happen to see either of these articles, Jason, about this uh, tech boss, uh, Air Force guy resigning? And I, 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 I just
0: kind of previewed them uh, uh, in when you were introducing them, I, I would say that what my experience with TikTok is, and I have to say I'm a pretty regular user of TikTok now. I'm not posting there. I, I thought about maybe, I don't know. I don't know if anyone really wants to hear from a 40 something, uh, you know, now hippie, long haired ed tech, online learning distance tech guy.net, right? So I'm not sure if I'm really the the right audience for that there. Um, even though I, you know, can put together a, a you know, appropriately snarky uh, video in in you know one minute or three minutes or less. So, but the, the what's what's really interesting about it is I do think the algorithm is pretty accurate, right? Like it does it does uh, uh, draw me in, and I have to say, um, I've lost. 30, 40 minutes at a time to TikTok, Right. And it's just enough time to keep you interested and present enough content to be of, of, of maybe a value. And then it moves on to something else. And um, you know, and, and I, have heard a lot of people criticize uh, tick tock because that's what they don't like about it is that it moves too quickly onto something else. Right. How do you pay attention to all that? But I think in kind of our fast food media world that, that we are, um uh, engaging in it's probably the kind of thing that that um uh probably does keep especially younger users uh, uh pretty engaged so i would say that it, it, and we don't really know the relationship with i think it's ByteDance that owns a TikTok um i, I don't we've no idea what that relationship looks like i think we we talked about this uh, uh either this, earlier this year or last year but There was an instance, and and I I think I've got my facts right here, that apparently um, the voiceover technology that was or that appeared on on TikTok, uh, there was a suit against TikTok because it was the same technology that had been sold to a Chinese government contractor um, of uh, uh, someone did voiceovers. Um, uh, I believe it was the the same woman that did like the Salt Lake City Airport. She's a prominent uh, voiceover artist in the United States, and she sold a lot of recordings. To a government agency for the purpose of that she thought to teach in English language and they ultimately used them to create a, a, a voice imprint to do voiceovers, uh, electronically gen- generated voiceovers on TikTok. She sued because that's not what she licensed her materials for and they moved to a different voice for the record, a worse voice in my humble opinion than the original one. But like the bottom line is that. That, you know, it, they do fly under the radar, right? I think this Atlantic article is correct, that it may have influence, especially over, you know, maybe a whole generation of younger users, and we're just not having that conversation. And, and by the way, 20-somethings aren't on Facebook, right? That's not where the predominant number of, of, of 20-something, so that's, you know, older Gen Z, younger, um, millennials are, are, are located at. They're, they're, they're on TikTok and that's a uh, TikTok and Snapchat, uh, which is still also very popular. With that set. they're not on Facebook. And so we're all wringing your hands about Facebook when maybe the bigger risk or as big of a risk is in something like a TikTok.
1: So two thoughts. Number one, when you talk about the speed of the changing of video and all that, I mean, it's important for us as teachers to have a sense of you know, the culture and the world in which our students are are living, much like if we were to go to another country and teach, you know, we're probably not going to just walk into that classroom and assume, hey, everybody's coming right out of the same model and paradigm and understanding that I am, you know, coming from the United States. Thinking about the experiences that students have and the degree to which media is used and students are invited to use media, you know, I'm Anyway, I, I just I think it's really really important, and maybe we're going to do a parent university. Actually, we've just made the the final plans on November second. It's going to be about influencers on TikTok and on YouTube. Uh, we've got about four high school students that are going to talk a little bit about that and. Anyway, I just, these are, these are really, really good and important issues to talk with students about. And I think I'll do some lessons with my students. I, I did a little bit last year about influencers that they pay attention to and that they follow. And, and the other thing I'm going to say is, okay, so you're spending time on TikTok. I thought, oh, I'll log in. Cause I do have an account. I've like posted one video or two videos or something. I will not show the, the picture because it's actually a bit racy. But the first question after I log in, first off, it tried to get me to log in with my phone number first. Don't want to do that. I'm going to use my email because I don't really want to, you know, the phone number now is kind of like a social security number for connecting us with data brokers. But then what does it say when I log in successfully? TikTok would like to access your contacts. Yep. Sync your contacts to easily find people, you know, on TikTok, your contacts will only be used to help you connect with friends. Jason and I both, I think, told the story of using, um, oh gosh, what was it called? The The audio, um, <laughs> program that clubhouse. clubhouse clubhouse, yes yeah. and I mean the moment I clicked it I was like oh you know I just sent all my contacts once you've sent them you can't bring them back so you know literally if I tap okay I'm sending thousands of contacts because that's how many I have in my address book at this point in my life you know to China to be able to connect the dots and all right so here it is surveillance capitalism this is a teachable moment so why do we probably not want to allow um, you know, contacts and stuff like that to to synchronize. Uh, there's good reasons for that. So, yep. oh my, so many distractions. Well, hey, <laughs> we've got about eight minutes left. Um, what else do we want to try to hit? How about this PC Magazine article about Americans live on the internet but don't know much about it? Yeah, I think that was yeah. last week. Let's do that. Yeah,
0: one. I'm glad this is one I want to get to tonight. Um, This article, you know, I've been noticing these more and more lately that generally speaking, like when I read tech media articles, right, that, you know, uh, it's – I agree with what they're trying to say. And yet in the last six weeks or so, I'm finding at least two articles a week that I think are giving flatly bad advice to people, right, right? And, you know, I'm a bit of an expert here. Dr. Fryer is a bit of an expert here. We're not just casual consumers of this. You know, a lot of our our day jobs and our professional time spent this. But so the uh, Shonder Steele writes on October 6th that this was a uh, survey by highspeedinternet.com and it asked a thousand Americans a few questions. And while 74% said they know how the Internet works, only 20% got the questions right. And, um... I would say that not only are a lot of these um, uh, uh, like they don't matter, right? Like I just don't, I, I just don't think um, that what, what they're asking here matters for understanding the internet. I think there are implications um, um uh, uh, to making, or, or, or to this. So the idea here is that the survey said that people are just ignorant and dumb about the internet and that has implications. So here's examples of things, um, that I, that, that they're asking. 70%, 77% of respondents said they didn't know which mobile carry has the fastest 5G. And I just don't think that matters, right? I mean, and, and 5G in a lot of ways is a marketing gimmick. In fact, um, you know, the we talked about this when 5G was first rolling out. There's a lot of, of, of 5G that's pretty short of, of 5G. Um, uh, uh, 62% of people didn't know what the G stands for. I don't think that matters either, right? But um, they were talking about, and, and kind of in a mocking tone, um, you know, things that as examples of things. Like 60% means more Wi-Fi bars means faster speeds. Well, that's actually kind of true. Right Like it's complicated, it's not as simple as saying that's what that means. It means what your signal is, but if you if you're farther away from your base station, uh one of the ways that your phone slash device will compensate for that is it will try a slower speed of of throughput to make that happen. So no, that's not what that means. It means um you know it means you're you have a better signal to you know wherever your router' is located at. Um, uh, uh, but that doesn't, uh, you know, it, it, it's, it's, it's more complicated than these questions. And so I guess the reason I want to highlight this article is that, um, I, you, you used to see the stuff with, uh, with, you know, uh, Americans don't understand anything about history and government. Um, those weren't always completely unfair either right because I do think there is a lot of of both misnomers and some wide gaps in knowledge when it comes to um you know the history of our nation and and how our government works but you know just because you can't name who the the you know the the thirty first president was um which uh uh isn't uh, it, it just doesn't matter. Right. And um, oh by the way, the 31st president was Herbert Hoover. But the point of this being a history teacher, but, you know, the point of this being that I just don't think that kind of stuff um, you know, matters as much. What does matter is, is, you know, having kids understand how their devices work from a software standpoint and some basic hardware troubleshooting, but then how they're engaging with their device. And if you're listening to this podcast regularly, you know that Wes and I kind of, you know, rant about this all the time, right? That, that it's important to have conversations in classrooms about how kids are using their devices. Um, but the bottom line is that, um, Uh, You know, just because you don't know which carrier has the fastest 5G, you don't need to know that information, you know, to be a successful user. By the way, I don't know the answer to that question either. My guess is Verizon, but it's probably that's marketing, right? Like, who knows what the real answer to that is?
1: Well, it certainly matters for us to understand it enough as leaders to be able to architect some reasonable regulation that 's not going to yeah. break the internet you know or, or have you know disastrous uh, consequences intended or unintended. Um, there are some statistics in that article that definitely do matter, like thirty percent of those surveyed believe in a 5 g conspiracy theory twenty two percent think 5 g may be a health risk. Those are huge numbers, one in five, you know, one in three. Um, so those are just things that point to overall media literacy and the fact that we live in a polluted information landscape and we need to try to media literacy educate ourselves as much as we can. But I don't know that that by itself is going to, is going to get us out of the difficulty that, that we're in. So yeah, challenges. All right. Um, well, I think we've only got, uh, about three or four more minutes left. Is there sure. anything we'll we want to hit before? We...
0: No, I think anything else we can push to next week. So
1: Okay. All right. Well, um, I'm just going to do one Geek of the Week, and this is an article I happen to find thanks to the uh, algorithm of, um, of Twitter. So Jason Bennett, who I follow on Twitter, happened to share this. Uh, the article is called IoT Hacking and Rickrolling My High School District, and it's written by I I think, you know, a current high school senior who was able to port scan his district network. And since his freshman year, basically, he's had control over all of the digital signage systems. Now, an interesting thing is the system that he's describing here is the system I think we were using... Initially, when I came to Cassidy uh, in 2015 for you know about two years, it was the same one my church had used. It was because it was free, free digital signage.com or something like that, uh, these different players. We ended up eventually going to Chrome Bits, which you can't buy anymore, but uh, the Chrome OS and Chrome Sign Builder and being able to do that, which I think is a lot more secure. But, wow, mind-blowing article. If you don't already have kids that are port scanning your network to try to see what kind of vulnerabilities are there, you can bet that you are going to be having them soon. And you're just probably naive if you think you haven't had kids doing that already. Um, Anyway, I'm thankful that I'm not responsible for all that, but network segmentation, having different virtual lands, you know, not allowing somebody to just come jack into the network and boom, they can access security cameras. They can access, you know, servers, they can access all printers, all kinds of things. Uh, This is a mind blowing article. And I I read most of it. It gets into some really specific details about how he pulled off this hack. Um, But, you know. To his credit and the credit of his district, um, they didn't press charges. They wrote a very thorough, you know, sort of penetration test analysis of all the things that they found and are helping their own district's IT department, them being these high school kids, to become more secure and not leave their network so open to these kinds of security hacks. So it's kind of a mind-blowing article, and I definitely would recommend not only reading that, but you might forward that on to your technology director or your tech department and say, hey, we ever thought about something like this happening at our school? Because they played the Rick Astley video in complete synchronization over every single digital signage device in the entire school, uh, which is, you know, a rather harmless prank, but also a pretty impressive one to pull off as high school students.
0: Yep, absolutely. So, great, great article. Um, and then I want to share something that I've actually had a couple of good experiences with. Uh, there's a, a, a service called Trim. And what Trim does is that you give them your credit card number, um, and then you upload your bills, and they try to negotiate lower rates for you. And apparently it works with cable, phone, um, hospital bills. They said they they, they will negotiate for you, um, and... Um, I tried it a couple of years ago and they managed to knock off $10 a month off of my uh, cable bill, which was just cable internet, which it still is just that. Um, they asked for a third of, of, of the, of that money back. So, uh, you know, $10 a month over, you know, 12, it was a 12 month discount, you know, netted, it netted them $40, but I went back to them. Um uh and had them redo that because it's been a couple of years and they sent me a text message to remind me and they managed to take a whole quarter of my bill off. So saving me $25 a month. That means I'll owe them uh you know a cool hundred bucks, but saving me three hundred over the next year. And so trim.com is the name of the service. Um I'm actually gonna try them with my parents who are paying. They 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 uh like and and need uh well needs a strong word, cable TV. Um, uh, they, we, we've tried to work on, on, on maybe some apps for them and they're just not, they, 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 they're, they're, they're a bit, uh, convinced that their ways are best, but they're paying a very high cable bill and, uh, they've tried to negotiate it down, but I think I'm going to sick trim on them and, and see what happens. So I asked trim.com.
1: That is fantastic.
0: Okay. Wes, where can people find you on the interwebs?
1: I am W Fryer on Twitter. You can go to my recently slightly updated website, westfryer.com. Click the contact link and you'll see a slew of different channels and places that I'm sharing content to include my latest video about how to smoke eggplant and acorn squash on your pellet smoker.
0: <laughs> how Excellent. About
1: how about you, Dr. Knife?
0: <laughs> I'm at Tech Savvy Teach uh, on Twitter. That's the best place to find me. Um but here now is not about smoking, although uh, join us next week for the uh, uh, the Meat Smoker Situation Room. Um, but this is the EdTech Situation Room. We are a once-a-week podcast that, that tries to go through the headlines and shoot them through an educational prism. You can find us on Wednesday nights at 8 p.m. Mountain Time, 9 p.m. Central Time, sometime in the middle of the night, UTC, thrown off by another hour when we change time. Uh, uh, in, in early November, but it, we'd love you if you join us live. You can find the link on Twitter at EdTechSR at our website, EdTechSR. We're also live on YouTube and Facebook. If you can't join us live, however, you can find uh, tiny downloads over at our website, edtechsr.com, along with all the links we discuss in any given week, or you can find us wherever finer podcasts are aggregated. So thanks for joining us for this episode of, of, of the Antic Situation Room. Hope to see you next time. We wish you uh, a great week. Stay safe, stay savvy, and good night.
1: Good night, everyone.